Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Chapter 15 of The Man of the House by Pansy. The Slibberbox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 15. Clark Potter. From the pasting room, Reuben was called downstairs to the marking and cutting room. The queer little machine that bit the corners out of the covers so skillfully had taken his fancy the day before, and to his great delight he was set to working it. Skill was required here as well as in pasting, but it was of a different sort, and Reuben caught the movement of the machine at once. His eyes brightened with every turn of the bright shears. "'You have a very correct eye,' Mr. Barrows said to him, and then his face broadened in a smile. His success was worse for him, in one sense, than his failure in the upper room had been, inasmuch as it moved certain of the others to envy. They did not approve of the city boy at the best, as if there were not fellows enough in the town to run the factory.' This was the way they felt, and this, in some form, was what they growled to each other from time to time. Little attention did Reuben pay to them, so that he guided the skillful shears in biting out those square corners, it was all he asked. The very speed with which it worked was a delight to him. Reuben liked fast things. Mr. Barrows was moving in and out, talking with first one workman, then another, with a general eye to all that was going on. During one of his visits, he was sharpening a pencil with a very choice, four-bladed knife, whose pearl handle and polished steel caught an admiring flush from the eye of every boy in the room. Near the busy shears, he laid both down for a moment, while he explained to the man who was running the large machine just how a certain kind of board was to be cut. Then came a sudden call for him from the office, and he went away. It was perhaps an hour afterwards that he came in hastily, and looked among the fast-increasing pile of chips that was gathering around the little shears, as Reuben still successfully clipped out the corners. "'Boys, have any of you seen anything of my knife?' he asked, and half a dozen pairs of hands paused in their work, and as many pairs of eyes looked up to his, innocent eyes and certain mischievous ones, but they shook their heads. Before, however, one of the others could speak, Reuben's clear voice was heard. "'Yes, sir, I had a glimpse of it. It is in the upper pocket of my jacket, and the pencil you were sharpening is there, too.' 
mr barrows looked at him in astonishment it is true but it did not compare with the amazement on the faces of the boys reuben said the gentleman in a grave inquiring voice did you fear that the knife and pencil would get lost and so put them in your pocket for safe keeping no sir didn't put them there at all but i know they are there for i saw them drop in then seeing that mr barrows still waited with a grave and not altogether pleased face he added i didn't touch them sir as true as i live will you explain then how they got into your pocket they were put in sir but not by your hands not by my hands do you know anything about whose hands put them there in that room at that moment busy place though it generally was you could have heard a pin drop every boy was listening one of them had a red face for just a moment reuben considered then he spoke yes sir i know just exactly whose hands put them there but i kind of think it was done just for fun without much thinking about or meaning any harm and if you will take them away and excuse the hands that dropped them there i will too boys said mr barrows turning from reuben you hear what this newcomer says he is a stranger to all of you but i know him a little and i have some reason for trusting him still i will be fair to every one of you and give you a chance to express an opinion do you believe that he has told the truth about my knife and pencil a chorus of voices answered him yes sir we know he has very well then i'll claim my property and he went to the poor little almost worn-out jacket and took from the pocket the four-bladed knife and pencil as he did so he said now there is at least one boy in the room who has been guilty of a very mean trick and ought to be ashamed of himself i don't know which one it is and don't want to since reuben has asked it as a favor i am willing to excuse the hands that put them in i hope the owner of those hands will be manly enough to apologize for the mischief he tried to do and say thank you for the kindness shown him then mr barrows went away reuben made the little machine bite out the corners as fast as it could and did not raise his eyes not a boy spoke after a little one of them whistled then several of them laughed reuben worked on it was not until the great bell in the church tower around the corner rang out its six o'clock call to come home to supper that the tongues of those boys were let loose then while they rushed for caps and coats and mittens they all talked at once not loud enough for reuben to understand what they said but loud enough for him to know they were talking about the knife and the pencil one the oldest and most lawless looking lingered while reuben hunted among the chips he had made for a bright bit of paper that he had a fancy to save for beth honor bright said the boy do you know who put the knife in your pocket reuben turned full bright eyes on him and answered quickly know as well as though you had told me all about it beforehand you did it yourself whereupon the boy gave a sharp little whistle what did i do it for he asked presently i don't feel so sure of that 
i thought maybe it was just for what some fellows call fun i don't see much fun about it but i thought perhaps you did and if you meant nothing but that why there's no harm done suppose i meant a good deal more than that then there's lots of harm done you feel mean over it by this time and folks don't like to feel mean at least i don't why didn't you tell mr barrows which of us did it i didn't see any good in that he got his property and that was what he was after and i proved all round that i had nothing to do with putting it where it didn't belong and that was what i was after well said the other after a somewhat longer pause my name is clark potter and i didn't mean a single thing only to have some fun and tease you a bit i thought you was a spoony little fellow away from his mother and we might as well have a little fun with you as not all right said reuben gravely i'm a little fellow that's a fact look younger than i am and i'm away from my mother as for being spoony i don't feel any too sure that i know just what it means down here in the country perhaps i am a spoony and perhaps i ain't never mind the knife is where it ought to be and i guess you and i will be all right after this i guess we will i mean to stand up for you only i'd like to know this are you one of the goody-goody sort don't know them said reuben in utmost good humor what are they like oh bother you're not so green as all that are you one of them that thinks it is wrong to wink or sneeze or whistle and that tells your mother every time you turn around and says your prayers and all that the merry twinkle went out from reuben's eyes but he looked with clear steady gaze at clark potter and answered slowly i'm good at whistling or bad i don't know which to call it mother says i almost deafen her sometimes i like to tell things to her first rate when i don't think they will worry her too much you see it is different with me from what it is with most boys my father has been dead a long while and i am the only boy in fact i'm not a boy at all i have to do what i can to support the family i've been the man of the house these three years so i have to think about things as for saying prayers i never did much of that forgot it you know after i got too old to say them with mother but one night a while ago i was in an awful danger didn't expect to get home alive and i just asked god to help me the same as if i could see him you know and he did it since then i've thought it would be a good plan to ask him about things said clark you are a very queer chap a very queer chap indeed he added gravely after a slight pause but i'll stand up for you through thick and thin i will so and when clark potter makes a promise it means something work went on quietly after this for two days the boys tried to tease reuben occasionally but there were two things in the way of their doing much in this line reuben was hard to tease he was good-natured over what would have made many boys angry he laughed when they expected him to frown and whistled when they had planned for him to growl besides he soon discovered that clark potter was a sort of leader among them and when he said look here fellows if you know when you're well off you'll let that little chap alone he's a friend of mine 
the boys knew he meant it reuben's success in the box business was a surprise to himself he learned rapidly not that he was any smarter than most bright boys of his age but he had a mind to do his best all the time and the box trade is like most others easy to learn when a wide-awake fellow does his best he discovered from mr barrows's manner rather than from anything he said that he was giving satisfaction but on saturday the gentleman spoke reuben mrs barrows thinks it would be a good plan for you to hire a woman to clean the little house and get it ready for your mother what do you think about it reuben's face brightened then grew sober i'd like it first-rate he said with his usual promptness only i don't know whether mother would why she's the very one we are trying to please what's in the way well you see sir it takes a good deal of money to move and we are pretty short in that line and i don't know but mother would think i ought to have saved the money and let her and beth do the cleaning i see said mr barrows and he looked by no means displeased after a few quiet minutes he spoke again there is a woman living down the lane from my house who wants a cord of wood split and carried into her woodshed she works at house cleaning and washing and all that sort of thing and she can't afford to pay money for her work how would it do to turn a job or are you too tired when six o'clock comes to think of splitting wood by the light of a lantern now was reuben's face all bright it will do splendidly he said with the eagerness of a boy who had a fortune left him if i can get the job mother shall come to a clean house you shall have the job mr barrows said with well-satisfied face i promised her this morning i would look out for a boy of the right sort an hour afterwards reuben was downstairs piling boxes in the hall ready for the delivery wagon when mr barrows drove up in his carriage and jumped out leaving little miss grace in charge shall i hold your horse sir asked reuben bestowing admiring glances on the sleek coat of the handsome fellow no he is used to holding himself he is better trained than most horses mr barrows answered and passed into the office where he stood talking with his foreman and looking over some papers that were handed to him grace barrows leaned out of the carriage and nodded to reuben how do you like boxes by this time she asked him first rate he answered heartily setting down ten of them at once with great care don't you hold the reins when you are left in charge of a horse oh no samson never does anything but stand still until papa wants him to go is that his name what a queer name for a horse isn't it a nice name we call him that because he is so big isn't he big she said with pride just then paper fluttered from the desk out of the door down the walk stopping at the wheel of the carriage catch that reuben commanded mr barrows in a tone that said it is an important paper reuben sprang after it what made a sudden whirl of wind just at that moment bring a great torn newspaper halfway across the street and fling it into the very eyes of samson 
why should a torn newspaper frighten a horse out of his senses a great many questions can be asked but who stands ready to answer them not samson certainly for he hadn't time away he flew as if he had suddenly discovered that his four legs were long and made on purpose for running away not reuben for he had other business his hand was on the hind spring just where he had placed it in the act of stooping for the important paper and as he did not let go you can imagine perhaps just how fast he was travelling at that moment end of chapter fifteen